I don't know if you remember Alice in Wonderland, but I remember the scene where Alice is kind of lost, and she comes, she comes up on this circle, and in the middle of it is a Cheshire cat, and she asks the cat, which road should I take? Because there's like six or seven roads going in all directions, and the cat asks uh, Alice, where do you want to go? And she said, well, I don't know, and he said, well, any road will do. And I kind of thought, you could put that on a lot of people I know. They don't know where they're going, and just about any choice they make will do just as good. But if you want a good life, if you want a, a successful life, if you want a life of destiny that God gave you a purpose on this planet and He wants you to fulfill it, you've got to have some good direction. You don't want to get bad directions. And I don't know about you, but if you ever asked somebody for directions and you got lost as a goose because they, they weren't good at it, if you ask my wife for directions, and I'll sit there, and I'm hearing her, and I'm getting really impatient because she's going to China and back to get you, and I thought, you've got to be able to make it simple, make it easy for people, which is the job of a teacher is to take something complicated and make it reasonably simple. But girls add tons to the directions, and there's a flowerful tree on the right, and there's a pink boutique in, a, in the window, and you'll pass this, and it's like, it's like a CIA investigation of some terrorist. It's like she doesn't miss anything. If I meet somebody, and I tell her I met someone, well, what color was her hair? Was it long? Was it short? What, what was she wearing? And I'm thinking, I didn't do the body scan. I just met somebody. But girls, they do it different. Okay. We're in a series on how God guides His people, and we've been talking about seven principles of God's guidance. He's got a good system to keep you reasonably safe and to get you to the target, your future, your destiny, without becoming a casualty, without a, a wreck or a crash. And so I don't think anybody deliberately plans to have a sucky life and end up heartbroken or in despair, but a lot of people do. But if you want to know how to avoid that, then we've been looking at these seven different principles. And today we're going to talk about good advice, godly counsel, good advice. Our scripture text has been Romans 8:14. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Then Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 says, for a child is born to us, a son is given to us, the government shall be on his shoulder, he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Messiah was foretold to be all of those things, one of which is Counselor. In Isaiah 11, verse 1 and 2, out of the stump of David's family will grow a shoot, yeah, a new branch bearing fruit from an old root and the Spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. So one of the manifestations of the Spirit of God that would rest on Messiah was the Spirit of counsel. So if the Holy Spirit was the Spirit of counsel on Jesus, then He's still the Spirit of counsel today in His people. So one of the gifts of the Spirit to His people is the Spirit of counsel. It's one of the seven guiding principles to keep you on track 
especially when there isn't any Scripture. Good advice. How many of you at some times can say, you remember receiving some really good advice, some godly counsel that means somewhere down the line you had good advice that wasn't just from the brain, but it came by the Spirit of the Lord. Let me pause a minute. Twenty years ago, I'm sitting in a jacuzzi after an hour workout with a bunch of our staff here, and it was called the Concord. Now Whataburger owns it. But anyway, they, the jacuzzi was a good uh, loosen up the muscles after a long workout. And I remember I was overhearing a coach talk to a father who had a son with multiple scholarship offers, and I think it was basketball. But I do remember that it wasn't my conversation, but I was listening to the coach give advice to the father about what he should do and how he should direct his son. And since he was going on a basketball scholarship or football, I can't remember which one it was, it doesn't matter, I remember the coach said this, pick the school that runs his offense. In other words, whatever the strength of that kid was in the sport he played, was what got him a scholarship. How stupid it'll be to pick another school that doesn't run the kind of plays that made him famous. And the reason would be you'll end up with the scholarship, but you'll sit on a bench because you're not playing to your strength. And I thought, good advice. Good. He wasn't quoting Scripture. He was just an old coach with a lot of experience who said, pick the school that way. One more. Somebody, I gave a quiz once, and I remember saying, everybody's good at something. A few people are good at several things. So supposing you were good at three things, exceptional at three things, how do I know which one of those would be my strength and part of my future? Easy. The one you really love. You can be good at several things, really, really good, but you're going to love one of them. That's the one you pick. Good wisdom, good advice. Yeah, okay. You know, you've got two guys to choose from, girls. One's got a better future than the other one. One's got better career opportunity than the other one. One of them's a little more handsome than the other one. One of them's got more spiritual character than the other one. Which one are you going to pick? See, typically the girl will go for the hottie, the hunk, and then end up with a lousy marriage. No, go for long haul. Go for stability. Go for a dude and buy you a little bit of jewelry. Well, in the Bible, those old guys brought donkeys full of jewelry to get the women. I, yeah, come on, girls, help me. That's a fact. Abraham sent 10 camels loaded with fine fabric and linen jewelry as a, as a dowry to get a wife for his son Isaac. Get you some of that. Tell, tell the old boy, line up the camels and we'll make, a, we'll make a decision. But you need some good advice. See, God wants His people not only to read and know God's Word, not only to be led by the inner voice of the Holy Spirit, not only to be able to judge prophecy, but to listen to godly counsel. Are you teachable? Counsel means steering or guiding, and it's a form of the Holy Spirit as He speaks to us through people. But it's not prophecy. It doesn't come to you, thus saith the Lord. It comes to you in the form of friendly help and good advice. 
It's a recommended course of conduct or a decision. Proverbs 11:14 and Proverbs 24:6, the book of wisdom, says in the multitude of counselors there's safety. Now, of course, the context is godly counsel. It's available in the body of Christ, and the nice thing is it's the most available and objective of all. It's easy. Aren't we told to get multiple opinions on a serious medical treatment? Well, if you care that much about your body, what about your life? Wouldn't you want to get a little bit of multiple opinions on something? Second Chronicles chapter 10, verse 3 through 14, it's a long verse, let me read it, that Solomon has, has now passed away, his son Rehoboam's coming to the throne. So it says, the leaders of Israel summoned him and Jeroboam, and all of, all of Israel went to speak with Rehoboam. They said, your father, Solomon, was a hard master. They said, lighten the harsh labor demands and heavy taxes. We all could say amen to that. That your father imposed on us, then we will be your loyal subjects. Rehoboam replied, come back in three days for my answer. So the people went away. Then King Rehoboam discussed the matter with the older, more mature men who had counseled with his father Solomon. What is your advice, he asked. How should I answer these people? And the older, more mature, seasoned counselor said, if you're good to these people and do your best to please them and give them a favorable answer, they will always be your loyal subjects. But Rehoboam rejected the advice of these older men and instead asked the opinion of the young men who had grown up with him and who were hip and trendy and were now his advisors. What is your advice, he asked them. How should I answer these people who want me to lighten the burdens imposed by my father? And the young men replied, this is what you should tell those complainers who want a lighter burden. Say, my little finger is thicker than my father's waistline. Yeah, my father laid heavy burdens on you, but I'm going to make them heavier. My father beat you with whips, I'm going to beat you with scorpions. Three days later, Jeroboam and all the people returned to hear Rehoboam's decision, just as the king had ordered. But Rehoboam spoke harshly to them, for he rejected the advice of the older counselors and followed the counsel of his young advisors. He told the people, my father laid heavy burdens on you, I'm going to make it heavier. My father beat you with whips, I'm going to beat you with scorpions. You know, how often Christians who are in trouble and are carnal always gravitate to other carnal people to get advice. When you need godly counsel, you need to get help from somebody who loves God as much or more than you. Don't try to get help from somebody who's worse off than you are or just as bad. If you're all in the ditch, you're not going to get any good advice. But I'm amazed how many people will talk to people who have no proven achievement. I watch on TV and I watch some of these young guys who are very talented in ministry right now making some of the dumbest choices I've ever seen in my life. You'd think snorting cocaine on a street, you could make a better choice than what some of them make. I'm going to get my wife a Lamborghini, and I'm going to put it on social media, and then I'm going to blame the devil when USA Today and all the news medias attack me. Did you get any advice? No. Well, duh. You, you, did you ask any? No, I just talked to my young hip friends. Here's the difference. I talked to a guy on Twitter the other day, a very nice person, by the way, and, a, and a, one of the outstanding young men coming up. 
and I, he was talking about getting good advice. I said, the problem with some of you young guys is you don't, you don't have enough years of life to be doing some of the things you're doing without good advice. You haven't lived long enough. You haven't been through enough pain or hell or wrong choices to be seasoned in order to know that wouldn't be a smart idea. Don't do that. But see, they don't ask for it. They think they know everything. So you don't want to be chained back to a bunch of old people. But if I had counselors that were under the wisest man in the earth, Solomon, and I had a choice to listen to what they had to say serving him versus a bunch of unproven young guys, I'd want some of that seasoned word. Now, you can hang with young people too, but you better get a little bit of of wisdom when you're facing some life experiences to people who've already been down that road, rode that bull, and got a a t-shirt, you know? Find out. If you... If I'm getting counseling from somebody, if you're going through a divorce, I want to talk to somebody who's come through it successfully, handled it reasonably well, and could give you some good advice. But people, people do the dumbest things in the name of religion, just dumb. And God does not in Scripture address every issue, not every issue, which is why you need some good godly advice sometimes. Sometimes, sometimes you have to make the best choice with bad opportunities. You got three choices. They're all bad. Which one is the least bad? I've got to make a call, and none of them are good. You get in combat, and that'll happen. You've still got to make the call. And that's when you need good advice, good godly counsel. Again, are you teachable? Are you stubborn, hard-headed? Nobody can tell you anything? That sounds like my grandfather speaking to me when I was 16. I remember I had saved my money, and I'm in, I'm, I'm, I'm in college, and I'm going to buy my first car, and my grandfather said, Ricky, you ought to buy this Volkswagen Beetle. You can run it all week in less than $3, and you have enough cash to pay for it. But I wanted an SS396 Super, super Sport with four in the floor, and, and my granddaddy said, you'll have to finance that. And that sucker will eat gas like you suck down a milkshake. <laughs> and right now, you don't have those kind of margins. But I, could, I wouldn't listen. You're not going to tell old man. You're not going to tell. I, when I get to heaven, I'd like to see my grandfather first. <laughs> and to say, I want to tell you I was the jackass. You were right. I was wrong. I'm sorry. <laughs> I really, really mean that. (laughs) Sometimes other people have been around the block longer than you, you know, and if your blood's pumping in an emotional relationship, you're not listening good. The blood's draining out of your brain. Uh, I got to have him or her or whatever. You're not thinking straight. All right. Go to somebody who's been through something that God has honored to some degree. Rehoboam had the advantage of these elder men who had sat under the wisdom of Solomon. And they said, son, be nice and kind to the people. They'll serve you forever. But Rehoboam listened to the young men, the carnal, ambitious, unproven young men. And they said, be rougher than your dad. And he did. And he split the kingdom of Israel right down the middle. See, godly counsel versus ungodly counsel caused a major split in the kingdom. And folks, hear me, listening to bad advice will bring division and strife. 
always. God encourages all of us to surround ourselves with godly relationships. David had 200 men of Issachar who knew what to do as his advisors. Can you imagine? Now, David had to make the call, but if you give me the choices, I can make the call. And that's why you need advisors. If you're president of the United States or you're president of a company or you're the pastor of a church, who's advising you? You hope it's going to be people with proven experience, not people desperate or people who are in a bad situation and said, well, I wouldn't take that. I'd just leave. Well, see, the problem is they don't suffer the consequences of the choice they just gave you. You'll suffer. So you want to make sure it's a wise choice. 1 Corinthians 15, 33. Don't be fooled by those who say such things, for bad company corrupts good character. Ever have one of your little kids come home from school? And mom and dad say, where did you hear that? Where did you learn that word? At school with certain friends, right? Sure it does. It affects all of us. It affects you in church, the people you hang around. You know, you lay down with dogs, you get up with fleas. You'll be scratching. You can get them at church, too. We got, we got flea Christians in churches, too. If every church in every business, in all of them, there's always somebody critical, always a criticizer. Criticizes, they don't like the music, the program, they don't like the direction, etc. Someone always has a negative word to say, and these kind of people always bring bad advice to those around them. They bring division and strife. They haven't achieved anything, and they don't want you to. And they ultimately will corrupt your character. You'll start thinking, it'll rub off on you. You get around people who complain a lot, what do you end up doing? Complain. Hang out with people of vision, excellence, people who always see a way through, always speaking faith, always building people up. Don't walk away from negative people. Run. Run. They don't do any good for anybody. Well, parents, give godly counsel to your children. In fact, you must because if you don't, right now somebody else is. Don't kid yourself. See, I still, as a parent, have the most influence over my kids, and so do you. So use it for good advice and godly counsel. And by the way, like me with my grandfather, maybe they're not taking it all right now, but it'll come back to them later. It'll come back later and straighten them out. Oh, I rejected a lot of things when I was young and hip and knew everything. Knew everything. (laughs) can't believe how stupid I was doing some stuff. I look back at that and I thought, Lord, I sure hope you cast that as far as the east is from the west and never to be remembered anymore. Anybody join me in that? Yeah. Boy. <laughs> it's like going back to your old high school annual, looking at the girls you thought you couldn't live without or a guy. Look at them now, baby. And you probably said, my thank God I did not go that way. I remember thinking, I can't believe I wore that. I can't believe I looked like that. I can't believe I dated that. You're laughing at me, but I bet you, let me see you and your, let me see your old pictures. Yeah. Singles, don't build a serious relationship with the opposite sex. Who doesn't love God at least as much as you do? If you do, the result's going to be negative. The Bible says, don't be unequally yoked together. That means even with a believer, just because somebody has a little cross on their necklace and said, yeah, I believe in Jesus, they may be a major disaster to your life. 
They've got to have similar vision and wisdom and character and love for the Lord. Are they going where you want to go? Can they take you there? Have they been divorced two times and they're paying alimony and child support and you'll be lucky if he can pay a bill? And if they don't go to church without you and they're only going to come when you demand that they come, I'm going to hitch my life and my spiritual life to something like that. Now, I'm not going to drag you. No. I want you to lead me. And boy, we're not talking about being religious. We hate that. We're talking about just a good relationship with God. He made me. There's a creator. I'm accountable to him. I have a good, he said, I got a good plan for your life. I want you to live life well, abundantly. I want you to have good success. And my plans for you are good and not evil to give you a hope and to give you a future. If I'm going to build my life on that, I'm not going to marry some dog that has no interest in that at all. I mean, for God's sake, girls, do a little background check. You know, please. And just because she's hot doesn't mean that's going to be good for you. She may be hot to four or five other people, too. You just, you, is this too hard? I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry. If I knew how rough some of you were, this would be tame, what I'm saying. Church is too nice. It's too stinking nice. Squeaky yuck. Oh, come on, somebody. Come, come, come on, somebody. So the first mention of counsel is in Exodus 18, and that's where Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, comes to him, and he says, look, you're going to die. You can't handle all these people like this. You're judging people from sunup to sundown by yourself. So I've got some advice for you to consider. This is good counsel. And Moses took the advice of Jethro. Uh, Jethro says, look, Moses, why don't you pick out 70 elders out of all the tribes of Israel and delegate responsibility to them and let them do the counseling for you. And anything they can't handle that's too big, they bring it to you. Then you're going to live a healthy life. You're not going to get overstressed. You're not going to burn all out. And you're not going to run off with the secretary. Well, yeah. All right. Some of you don't know that. When you've got a church of 50 people, it's easy. You can meet with anybody. But when you get thousands of people, I can't go to every wedding. I can't go to every baby shower, nor my wife. I'd be broke. There's not enough time to do it, to do, do this and do that. Or I need to see Rick. I need to see Rick. I, that's not possible. That's not possible. We've got people who can handle 99% of any issue you got. They've already been proven. They've been around the block a long time. You haven't got, I haven't heard anything I haven't heard before. You hadn't surprised me, no matter what you say. And if, I, if, it's a, if it's something they can't handle, I'll get it. And you wouldn't want to be with me anyway. I don't have any tissues in my office. I'm not a counselor. That's not what God made me for. I'd already be, I'd be angry already that I have to meet with you. <laughs> you don't want to hear this, do you? Yeah. It's called truth. Yeah. I remember a guy, I'm having a little bit of fun. I had a guy tell me one time, I'm doing a conference. It was very good. It went really well. And this guy comes to me up after and says, uh, Pastor Rick, would you put me on your prayer list? Now, I'm thinking, what list? I, I don't have any list. What do you, what list? Nah, that's religious talk. I know, I know, I know the language. And I said, I ain't got any list. I said, let me tell you something. I'm going to pray for you right now because when I walk out that door, I'm probably going to have a Diet Coke. I'll never think of you again in my life, ever. You're not on any list. 
I'm married, I have children, I have grandchildren, I got a church, and there's lots of people, and you ain't on that list. I never met you, don't know. Do you see how dumb people can get? I mean, isn't that just dumb? Walk up, say, put me on your prayer list. Yeah, right. But that sounds churchy. Here's another one that just drives me up a tree. Like, you, you, they fly you around the world. They, you go in the speakers. They've spent money on an airfare. They put you in a hotel. They take you to the conference. Thousands of people. You've been invited to be the speaker. And they go in and says, now, Pastor Godwin, would you like some time alone before we go out? I said, dude, you just spent thousands of dollars to bring me over here. You put me in a nice hotel with a nice basket of fruit and candy and stuff. If I'm not ready, you're in deep yogurt, okay? I'm ready. But again, religious nonsense. Just hate it. I just hate it. So I thought, dude, I'm ready. I'm ready in jeans, a tuxedo. It doesn't matter. I'm ready. I'm ready, disheveled, showered, unshowered. I'm ready. But they've been playing that game. Yes, I need some time alone. I thought, what? What are you going to do alone that you can't, that's take all this time, three days to get there, and you need some time alone? I'm going to ship you back home if that's how bad it is. Okay. How many know Moses was more spiritual than Jethro? Moses saw God face to face. Jethro didn't lead three million Israelites out of Egypt. Moses did. But it proves even a Moses can be counseled by a Jethro. And I want to be a leader who can hear even from Jethro, whoever Jethro may be. And listen, when a friend comes up to you to give you advice, they're going to be, because it's a friend, faithful are the wounds of a friend, they're going to be Joan. I wouldn't go up to George to say something that would be a bit critical or something like that without toning it way down and expressing it gentle and soft. So when somebody gives you advice, just know, jack it up about 10 more times on steroids, and that's the real, that's how bad it really is, because a friend won't, won't take it up to that level. They'll keep it gentle. So you need to know, it's really worse than that. <laughs> what are you all so quiet for? That's, it's true. You know, you, you have a problem. When you've got a major problem, you better call for some godly counsel. If you're a businessman, talk to somebody who's been where you are. If you've got legal problems, tax problems, talk to a godly professional in that area. I always advise that. How, how do I set up this company? Should it be a corporation, a general partnership, a limited partnership? God speaks through people. I've been asked questions in here, and I thought, that's not my field. I have no idea. But we've got legal attorneys in here. We've got prosecuting attorneys. We've got defense attorneys. We've got legal family counsel. They know what I don't know. They were trained. I'll put you in touch with them to give you good advice. I stay with my strength. I, there are things I haven't experienced and don't know anything about, but I can connect you to somebody who does. See, everybody who's a Christian may not have the wisdom you need. Somebody else, if it's business, you could get good godly advice from a successful businessman as long as it didn't violate Scripture, right? He's still smart. He still knows something you don't know. So it's very, very important. Uh, Proverbs 9, verse 9. Instruct the wise, they will get wiser. Teach the righteous, they will learn even more. Then listen to God talking in Jeremiah 7, verse 24. But my people would not listen to me. Ever said that to your kids? They won't listen to me. 
They kept doing whatever they wanted, God said, following the stubborn desires of their evil hearts. They went backward instead of forward. I know a lot of people like that. Say, good counsel, great advice will expose deception. But unwise, ungodly counsel will bring you into more deception. Psalms 1, verse 1, the Passion Translation says, What delight comes to the one who follows God's ways? He won't walk in step with the wicked, nor, nor share the sinner's way, nor be found sitting in the scorner's seat. How many of you know you have blind spots? Spots in your life you and I can't see? I can't see the back of my neck. Well, Rick, you could with a mirror. Well, duh, exactly. That's what I'm trying to say. That's called godly counsel. It's an, it's an external mirror. You don't depend on just what you can see, but someone else with another view can reveal my blind spot. I need outside help. You know, if you're deceived, you don't know you're deceived, which is why you're deceived, you see. So I have to believe that somebody loves me and has proven love for me is trying to help me. If they come up and say, Rick, do you mind if I put my hand on the back of your collar here? You got dandruff. By the way, I don't. But if, <laughs> if that did happen, I'd have to say, I didn't know that. Thank you. Please get up. Or somebody has a little uh, roller and says, hey, you got something on the back of your jacket. You leaned up against something. I'm glad, aren't you? Or if somebody walks up and says, your blouse is unzipped. Worse, your pants are unzipped. Yeah, that's happened to a few people too. You're, thank you so much. For, for I didn't know that because I couldn't see back there. My wife occasionally wants me to button her up. And she'll say, honey, would you snap me? And I'd like to take the designer of a dress. And I said, assuming you don't have another pair of hands, how could you put this on? And then you can't get the hook in that little eye on the back. Of I mean, I have big hands. And I'm thinking, you got to be a midget with an atomic microscope <laughs> to see it. And I'll play with it and play with it. I, I, she said, never mind, I'll get somebody, I'll get one of the girls at church to do it. And I thought, yeah. But I'm thinking, what guy designed it? He obviously doesn't wear it. <laughs> Had to, to put it on. And girls, can you identify with that? Yeah. You get my point. I'm using a little humor there, but the point was, I can't see back of my neck. I can't see my blind spot. That's why I'm blind. So I have to listen to somebody I believe loves me, that cares about me, that's not trying to hurt me. It may hurt, but they're not trying to hurt me, and I need it. And that's all I'm trying to say. You know, Proverbs 12, verse 15, a fool in love with his own opinion. A fool is in love with his own opinion. Yeah. But wisdom means being teachable. Uh, Patrick Morley wrote the book Man in the Mirror and he said quote the number one problem with 20th century men is they fail to live examined lives that means they are not coming to a place where they're willing to be open transparent and get some godly counsel for correction or rebuke most men are not willing to be vulnerable and ask anybody for help why was Israel 40 years in the, in the wilderness it's only 11 day journey because the men wouldn't ask for directions I know where I am. No, I'm not lost. I know where I am. Anybody but me ever do that? Hate to admit I'm wrong. Hate to admit I don't. My wife said Rick might not be right, but he's never in doubt. Thank you, sweetheart. Notice I'm talking pretty free because she's not here. What? 
Why do a lot, of, a lot of ministers get in trouble? Unexamined lives. Lamentations 3, verse 40 says, Instead, let us uh, examine our ways. Let us turn back to the Lord. So the greatest question you can start to ask others who are spiritual is, Hey, how am I doing? How do you think I'm doing? I don't know anybody that would deliberately attack you when you're honest like it. They wouldn't want to hurt you for the world. And then stay in the saddle long enough to hear what they say. That guiding principle is confirmation through trusted relationships. Romans 12, verse 1 and 2. Beloved friends, what should our proper response to God's marvelous mercies be? I encourage you to surrender yourselves to God, to be His sacred living sacrifices, and live in holiness, experiencing all that delights His heart. For this becomes your genuine expression of worship. Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you and be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in His eyes. So some people try to find the will of God without God. That's not going to happen. And they haven't even given themselves to the God who has this direction. I like what George Mueller wrote many, many, many years ago. He fed thousands of orphans. He never raised any money. He just prayed, and it was completely funded for the whole ministry. He said, quote, I find the only difficult thing in discovering the will of God is to get me out of the way. Once I get George Mueller out of the way, finding God's will is a very simple matter. Boy, that's true. You know, anytime I have been under a bit of a stress about a decision— it's because I'm in, the, I'm in the picture, and I don't want to, or I'd rather not. Even Jesus, in his humanity, in the garden, said, you know, if there's any other way, let it be so. Let this cup pass. And when the Father said, there is no other way, he said, nevertheless, not my will, thy will be done. As soon as I yield to what God wants me to do, and I know it, it's like a truck lifts off of you, and you're okay. It's going to go well. That's, that's getting you out of the way. I'm always, I'm always the problem. And by the way, so are you. Thank you very much. Proverbs 27, verse 9. Sweet friendships refresh the soul and awaken our hearts with joy. For good friends are like the anointing oil that yields the fragrant incense of God's presence. It's like nice perfume or a great aftershave. Good friendships. They're rich. They help you. They bless you. Ask God for a good friend in the Lord, and then be open, you know, as you do life together. The Amplified Bible says of the same verse, the sweetness of a friend's counsel, his advice, that comes from the heart is like ointment and perfume. Beware of any direction that contradicts or ignores wise counsel. Don't allow anybody but God to dominate your life, only doing what they say. Really, that's abuse of authority, but always listen to godly counsel. And God can give wise counsel through people who are not a Christian. They can say something to you even off the cuff, not even aware of its importance, and the Holy Spirit will speak to you. Did you hear that? Did you hear that? Somebody just spoke. It could have been about marriage or business or partnership. And God says, that was for you. Boom. And, and it was, you know, if, if you've been in four different jobs and each one of your bosses says, you're always late, you're not dependable, you never finish the work, well, I wish the Lord would speak to me. He's speaking to you. You know, if three people call you a jackass, buy a saddle. That's what my grandfather used to tell me all the time. I mean, everybody's not wrong. 
you got an issue and you're not, you're not stepping up to the plate to acknowledge you got a problem. You know, you've been in nine marriages. You're the one factor in all of them. Seem like everywhere the divorce occurs, you're there. So maybe you need to change. You know, if I were in a lawsuit, I'd rather have a sharp pagan than an incompetent Christian for my lawyer. We're getting back to wise counsel. Just because somebody has a fish emblem by their name as a mechanic or a doctor or a lawyer, that doesn't mean they're any good. I'm not going to the lawyer to to teach me the Bible. I know the Bible. I'm going to the lawyer because he's supposed to know the law. And I want him to defend me or to uh, get the rights that I rightfully deserve. So I want someone with proven achievement and experience. A fish emblem doesn't mean anything. You can get cheated by a fish emblem just as quick as you can some greasy guy who's a crook. And a lot of them have fish emblems. (laughs) Well, I want, do you know a Christian doctor? No, 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 no. Do you know a great doctor? Do you know a great surgeon? If I'm going to put my child under a knife, I want to know who is the one that has the most experience, the most reputable. I don't care what. I'll do the praying over that child. I'll do the Bible over that child. I am paying and recruiting that surgeon for surgery. I don't have that skill. And I want the guy with the best skill to do it. I don't care if he worships the green frog of a Hindu coven in Nairobi. I don't care. That's not what I'm recruiting him for. I'm recruiting him for the surgical procedure because any gift you have, God gave it to you. Even if you're a pagan, the gift you are making money with, God gave you that gift. And so I'm just going to use his his gift for my child or for my wife or for me. Anytime there's pressure or you feel somebody's hurrying you to make a decision and you can't wait to get some advice, some godly counsel, watch out. You're about to run aground. Are you teachable? Every product made comes with an owner's manual. To get the promised benefit, you obey the owner's manual. Refusing to obey God's instructions is proof I'm not teachable. Now God can't help me. We want God to do things in our lives, our marriages, our finances, but we don't want to follow instructions. So whenever you refuse God's word, you disqualify yourself from supernatural intervention. That's bad really, really bad. So remember, in the multitude of counsel, there's safety. In the mouth of two or more witnesses, let every word be confirmed. God never guides you with just one of these seven principles, but a combination of two or three. God wants to protect you. And so if I'm getting advice from others, are they proven achievers? Do they have a good track record? Are they well spoken of? And does it not violate any scripture I'm aware of. That being the case, go for it. Take the plunge and go for it. And even if you make a mistake, God says, though the righteous man falls seven times, the Lord will uphold him. It's not fatal. You're moving in faith, but you're also moving the best you can with wise counsel. So when you've had an experience, bad or good, share that. Help somebody else stay out of your ditch. You know, don't waste the pain you went through. Let somebody else benefit from it, whether it's in marriage or finances or health or relationships or career. Share that. Listen to good counsel and and you'll be a wiser person. Amen. For more information on Summit Christian Center, visit summitsa.com.